this is a series that's taken a lot longer than I, than I expected it to, with so many different things that have been happening and special services along the way. What was designed to be a summer series has become kind of a, a summer and autumn series, I guess. But today, we come to the final letter in these chapters of Revelation. Over seven Sundays over the last number of months, we have been taking a look at Christ's letters to seven churches in a part of the world that was known as Asia Minor. And if you have been really trying to engage with God's Word during this series, if you have been really seeking to understand what it is that the Lord is saying, then I would be almost tempted to get a volunteer to come up and do the introduction today. By now, you will know and you will remember that this is Christ's verdict of the church, so that what we're reading here in these letters, including the one that we're going to think about today, it tells us what Jesus wants His church to be like in all places and at all times, including here in Connor in the year 2022. And we keep in mind that this is what Christ wants us to hear. Therefore, this is a huge challenge to us. These are words that we don't take lightly. These are words that we grapple with. And all of the issues that these individual churches were facing were issues that the church has faced ever since and continues to face today, including here in Connor. If we do a really quick sweep through what Jesus said to His church in Ephesus, He wanted that church to return to Him, to return to their first love. He tells His church in Smyrna, don't compromise. You're going through a hard time, but don't give up and take your stand for the gospel. He tells the church in Pergamum to stand for truth and for right teaching and to reject false teaching. He said to the church in, in Thyatira about the importance of holiness in our lives as His followers, that in a permissive society, we need to stand out as being different. He told the church in Sardis that it needed to be real and not just skin deep. And last time, we thought about the words that the Lord Jesus spoke to the church in Philadelphia, reminding that church to take every opportunity that the risen Christ gave to it, especially opportunities to tell other people the good news about Him. And today, in God's providence, we come to the, the final letter, Laodicea, and the last letter is surely the one that has the greatest relevance for us. In a church like this, in the Western world, in the 21st century, this congregation's failings and its problems have so much to tell us, so much to warn us about, and we need to be ready to listen. Because in this letter, once again, Jesus speaks those words that are repeated all the way through this series of letters. This time in chapter 3, verse 22, this is what Jesus is saying today. He or she who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. In other words, listen really carefully to what God is saying. 
And as we look at this letter together, and I encourage you to do that in God's Word, again, this letter begins with an introduction. And the reason why these introductions are so important is because it helps us not only recognize who is writing this letter, but the authority with which he speaks. So, the Lord Jesus introduces himself in this way in verse 14. Look at what he says. These are the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. And he's proclaiming, I am God. My word is completely trustworthy. I'm the Amen. I'm the one who is unchanging. I'm completely reliable. And I'm the one who shares in the rule of creation with God Himself, because I was present there at creation. I brought this world into being with my Father. So, Jesus is saying, it's not just that I'm the Lord of the church. I'm the Lord of everything, the whole lot. And He's not to be messed with. He is no light touch. And that makes His command for us to listen all the more forceful today. But Jesus, when He introduces Himself each time, He not only talks about His authority, the power that He has, He talks about His knowledge as well, so that once again, in this letter in verse 15, He says to this congregation, I know your deeds, I know what you're like, and I know what you're up to. And you'll be able to see that as we look at this letter to the church in Laodicea, because we'll discover as we dig into the background that Jesus, even in the pictures that He uses, understood this church and the city that it was set in. But what kind of church was Jesus addressing here when He wrote this letter to Laodicea? Well, first of all, we discovered that it was a church that was indifferent and Jesus knew the big problems that it had. He tells them in verses 15 and 16, I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So, because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. And we were talking to the kids about what it's like when you pour yourself a glass of water, and maybe you're using a mixer tap, and you don't let the cold water run long enough, and you get a bit of warm water in it as well, and you put that up to your mouth, and, and that doesn't taste right. That doesn't taste good. You know, lukewarm water, water that's got too warm, or tea, tea that's got too cold, no thank you. We, we like our drinks to be hot or to be cold. And when Jesus spoke these words to the church in Laodicea, these people would have understood exactly what He was getting at. Because Laodicea was a, a city that had a problem with its water supply. We don't have that problem here in Northern Ireland. Thankfully, we get lots of rain. We have lots of hills that the rain rolls down and lots of places to collect that water. It's not an issue. But for Laodicea, it had a big problem with its water. Its water had a high mineral content, and it didn't taste right. It tasted awful. I remember I was in Moldova with a church team, and the place we were staying in, the water had really 
high levels of sulfur. And it was weird because the water smelt like rotten eggs. That's the only way you could describe it, which kind of made having a shower this very conflicted experience. You thought, am I doing more harm than good and being under this water? And it was out of the question to drink it. It was bottled water all the way. In Laodicea, they had a big problem. And what they tried to do was bring water in from elsewhere. They tried to pump in hot water from the hot springs across the valley. And they tried to bring in a supply of cold water from a neighboring city, Colossae. But the problem was that as the water made its journey, the hot water cooled down and the cold water heated up so that the water that arrived into the city was neither hot nor cold. And it's the image that Jesus had in mind and that these people would have had in mind when he talked about how he felt about their church. It was a church that had become lukewarm. It had become indifferent in its evangelism, in its worship, and all of the key things that it was called to do. And the Lord Jesus wanted them to be enthusiastic in their faith in Him, to be wholehearted for Him, but instead they had become tepid and they'd become useless, as useless as the hot and the cold water that was being pumped into the city. So that the Lord Jesus' judgment on His congregation in Laodicea is humbling, and it's really direct. Look again at what He says in verse 16, "'Because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I am about to spit you out of my mouth.'" People, what a tragic situation that a church can become like this. That the church, the very thing that is most designed to bring God glory and to bring Him pleasure. That's what we are all about. That it leaves the Lord of the church with a bad taste in His mouth. I said at the beginning that this is probably the most relevant of the letters to the church in the West here today. And I reckon that that's a criticism that could be leveled against us as well that for many people connected with Connor Church, you are neither hot nor cold. That when it comes to the things that really matter, the things that really count, when do we get enthusiastic? When do we get excited about worship, about spreading the gospel, about sharing with people the difference that Christ has made to our lives? so that sometimes it feels like we're just going through the motions. We're almost doing things for the sake of doing them. And I wonder what the Lord of the church, Jesus, makes of us as a church. If I can put it like this, do we leave a bad taste in His mouth? But there's a second reason why this letter to Laodicea is so relevant to us in our situation. This church was materially rich and yet spiritually poor. Verse 17, Jesus tells them, you say, I am rich, I have acquired wealth, and I do not need a thing, but you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, 
naked and blind. And this congregation was a product of the city that it was in. It reflected the lifestyle of the city of Laodicea, which was a wealthy and proud city. So that a number of years earlier, when a big earthquake hit the region, while other cities in this region looked to Rome for help and tax breaks and things that would help them get on their feet again, not Laodicea, no, they rebuilt the city by themselves with their own money, without help coming from Rome. And that do-not-need-a-thing attitude had seeped into the church as well. The people who belonged to this congregation, they were living in a city where there was plenty of money floating about. It was a city that had a reputation as a, a center of excellence in medicine, especially in the treatment of eye conditions. It was a center of fashion. People walked about in wonderful clothing that was the envy of other cities in the region. It was quite the place to live if they could have just got their water supply sorted out. And the people in the church enjoyed all this too, so that their big problem was that their material wealth was causing them to be spiritually poor so that Jesus had news for them, that while they thought they had everything that they could ever want, they were lacking in what is most important, so that Jesus says of them, if you look again at verse 17, what a, what a report, you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. Remember those visitations the presbyteries used to do of congregations? Imagine the guy, the minister, getting up on the Sunday to give the report and saying, oh, this church, you're wretched, you're pitiful, you're poor, you're blind, you're naked. And can you see the irony that in a city of great material wealth, these people were spiritually poor? In a city that was renowned for its, its high-quality clothing, it was the Milan or the Paris of its day, they were wretched, they were naked, they were exposed before the Lord. In a city that had the world's leading eye hospital, they were spiritually blind, they were unable to see what was most important. And people, what a danger it is for us as a church in the UK today, I realize that many people have financial struggles, and that is a reality that we are living through right now. But we live in a material world. We live in a material society, and our desire to accumulate is relentless. And for the Laodiceans, what they could see, what they could buy, what they could touch what they could have, what they could possess, it had become more valuable to them than what is eternal and unseen. And they had forgotten the bottom line, that you have absolutely nothing if you do not have a relationship with Christ. You know, one of the 
the images from the queen, the late queen's funeral, that has really stayed with me ever since. And I mean this when I say, I've thought about this so much, was when the, the crown and the orb and the scepter were removed from her coffin shortly before the burial. And I'm sure that that struck you as well, that we really do leave this world with nothing. We take nothing out of this world, no matter who we are. So, we're so thankful that the queen had that thing that really matters in Christ. People, we leave this world with nothing. And the Laodicean Christians had become complacent. They believed that they could rely on themselves rather than God. And they needed to be reminded by Jesus Himself that we can do nothing. We certainly can do nothing about eternity without the grace of Jesus Christ. This church that Jesus was writing to was a church that needed to be wholehearted so that Jesus, in a gracious way, begins to deal with their spiritual problem. Listen to what He says to them in verse 18. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so you can become rich, and white clothes to wear so you can cover your shameful nakedness, and salve to put on your eyes so you can see all of your failings, all of the things that you've got so wrong, all of the things that you're deficient in, this is the solution. It is me. It is Jesus Himself. They and we need to turn to Christ once again and clothe ourselves in His righteousness, because it's only through relationship with Him that we can stand before God. And these people who reckoned that true value was to be found in their possessions and in their position, they needed to be brought back to the real truth of what needs to be found in Christ. I want to ask you today, as we hear the way in which Christ offered to graciously restore that relationship again, what is most important to you? What is of real value? Is it what we have? Or is it what we are or what we can be in Christ? And in the Bible, whenever this kind of change is talked about, you'll see that it is always accompanied by repentance. So, that Jesus says in verse 19, those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So, be earnest and repent. Jesus is saying, get real and turn away from the way that you're living and come back to me. And you'll see that Jesus wasn't calling them to repentance in order that their life would be miserable, as some people imagine repentance to be all about, but that their life would be good. He wanted the best for His church. Do you see what He says in verse 19? To whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. It's a measure of His love for us. 
Folks, we can't be wholehearted as a church in Connor if the individuals who make up this congregation are not wholehearted for God. We can't be in a right kind of relationship with God as a congregation if individuals are not in a right relationship with Christ. And Jesus desires to be at the very heart of this church and what it's about. He says to us, as He said to the believers in Laodicea, verse 20, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. What an invitation from the Lord of all things. And what a challenge we gain from this letter today. A turning away from indifference, a turning away from our wrong priorities, a, a turning away from living for self and for gain, and back to wholeheartedness for the Lord Jesus Christ. I hope that you have been challenged in so many ways over these seven Sundays when we've looked at these letters that Christ writes to His church. But the biggest challenge comes right at the very end. Will you live wholeheartedly for Christ? He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Amen.